This is the Registry Podcast. Welcome to the Real Perspectives Podcast, where we dive deep into the strategies and stories of business leaders who have made a difference in the commercial real estate industry and beyond. I'm your host, Vladimir Bosanitz, and today we're thrilled to have a very special guest on our show, Scott Stewart, the Chief Executive Officer of the Turnaround Management Association. Scott is a mastermind in navigating the complexities of business restructuring and revitalization. We're going to explore his journey, the lessons he's learned along the way, and his unique approach to running his organization globally. It's an episode packed with real-world wisdom and strategies that can help any business leader facing tough times. So grab a seat, stay tuned, and let's get a real perspective from the expert himself, Scott Stewart. Scott, good afternoon. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing, Vlad? Doing well, doing well. Uh, how is uh, Chicago today? Beautiful day here in Chicago. It's the last vestiges of fall with a balmy 75 degrees before before Halloween and the uh, and the scaries of winter start to settle in. Right, which is probably coming within a week. Um, as, as I used to live in Chicago, so I know there's only two seasons in that city. <laughs> it's summer and winter, so you're you're experiencing the week of fall, I suppose, right? Um, yeah, if you don't like the weather, just wait a minute, as the saying goes around. Hit these. Parts. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you for joining us, Scott. Um, I would um, uh, love for you to give us a little bit of a of an introduction into into you and your background. You know how you got to this role and sort of the winding road that you know got you to where you are today. Yeah, that's uh, that, that, that's a great introduction because it certainly has been a winding road. I started as a corporate restructuring attorney with an appointment to uh, a role with the U.S. Department of Justice and the United States Trustee's Office, which is their bankruptcy division. Um, and ironically, it all happened by accident because when I was in law school, the only two courses I did not take were bankruptcy and tax. And here I am over 30 years into a, a corporate restructuring bankruptcy career. Um, and it's been a pretty storied career from, from there uh, I went on to running a practice group with a uh, with a large law firm based in Long Island, New York. I have done uh, bankruptcy mediation, distressed debt investing. I've been general counsels to uh, general counsel to a company that did distressed uh, investment in the fast casual uh, turnaround sector. I've been a volunteer in in many organizations in the corporate restructuring space, and in fact, it was a volunteer for over 15 years here at the Turnaround Management Association before I um, became its uh, CEO. And so it's wonderful to be able to have had this career trajectory that's taken me to the zenith of the premier organization in the corporate restructuring, reorganization, and corporate health space. Yeah, so your background seems to be perfectly suited for many of the things that I think our economy is going through uh, today, and uh, arguably commercial real estate space as well. So I am I am anxious to have this conversation with you uh, in a in a good way. Anxious, obviously. Um, before we we jump into some of that, uh, tell us a little bit about your organization. Sort of what what it does. What is its charter? Um, you know, where, where are you guys based? I mean, obviously Chicago, but, but sort of from a, like a, like a, you know, national footprint kind of, uh, you know, perspective, where, where do you play and where, where are you active? 
So the Turnaround Management Association is 58 chapters and 10,000 members worldwide. So we have, uh, we have chapters in North America, Canada, Mexico, uh, Latin and South America, uh, 18 chapters in Europe. Our two largest chapters are Brazil and Australia. We recently just added a chapter in India and Slovakia. And so we're basically on every continent, maybe short of Antarctica. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are, we focus on corporate restructuring, reorganization, and corporate health. And basically, our demographics are everybody who plays in that space an attorney, an advisor, a financial consultant, a private equity uh, investor, a distressed investor. Uh, asset-based lenders. So basically anybody who is anybody who touches the corporate restructuring space is involved uh, with our organization. And so we're a chapter-centric organization that has a global a global umbrella, which is where I sit as the, the CEO of. And we do events at the local, regional, national, and international, uh, international uh, level. In fact, we did our first global international symposium in connection with our TMA Europe annual conference last year in Hamburg, Germany, where we joined our worldwide community for the first time in person together, a real a real breakthrough for, for the organization as it continues to elevate its profile worldwide. Yeah. And when you think of uh, sort of where the majority of the efforts of your members are, are there specific industries that come to mind? We're actually involved in uh, a very wide swath of industries, so there's nothing, there's not, no one industry. However, that being said, there are, of course, industries that are going through periods of restructuring or distress at any given time. So healthcare, commercial real estate, uh, municipal turnarounds, manufacturing, automotive, at any given time, any of these, any of these uh, could percolate. You know, we, we're, we're just coming out of a very elongated, unnatural cycle where there has not been a lot of economic upset, uh, largely because of uh, low interest rates following the 2008 crash. Um, and of course, again, during the pandemic, a lot of free money blanketing the world. Um, so loans were being made that didn't have a lot of restrictions and covenants, and the economy had been in my opinion, artificially propped up for a very long period of time. So what we're seeing now for the first time in almost a generation is a return to what, what's pretty normal. And although to a lot of people it feels very unnatural and very unsettling, yeah. we could have been in a much more dire place. We could have been in a deep recession and we're not. Yeah, interest rates are higher than they've been in many years. And some of that needs to be brought under control. And inflation is couple of points higher than it than it should be but interest rates shouldn't be one and two percent naturally and inflation shouldn't be at close to zero i mean it's just not good for an economy and recessions mild recessions are healthy they cleanse an economy so what we're struggling with now as uh in the world economy is that we are going back to normal counter cyclicality that's necessary to check in on our economy to check in on our businesses and to clean up things that need to be cleaned up so yeah it's it's a rough period and we got a ways to go here but these ebbs and flows are going to be much more normal than this very elongated period of uh of, of great wealth easy money free money yeah. and not 
really not really cleaning up what probably needed to be cleaned up because there was only always available capital to fix fix what was broken under the surface. Yeah. And what's interesting about your role as kind of a, you know, leader of of an organization that has a global footprint is also you get a perspective on sort of where their activities are in a way, right? Across across the globe in many ways. I am curious sort of, you know, your perspective kind of, uh, you know, on a macro level, uh, you know, in terms of how the U.S. is doing compared to some other parts of the world. I, you know, I, I, I think it's easy for us to kind of look uh, only internally and focus on the negative things, but other regions, I would argue, are probably doing a lot worse than we are. Is that your perspective as well? Yeah, I think that's spot on. The United States, while there were forecasts of, uh, of dire economic consequence, has more softly landed. Uh, the job market is strong. There are sectors that are troubled for sure. We, we have not yet entered you know, a long anticipated and predicted recession. We still see a lot of volatility in the markets. They haven't settled that as we've seen even this week in the sell-off in the in the bond market. We're struggling with with interest rates, particularly on uh, on on housing. Uh, but you compare us to, let's say, some of the economies in Europe, where Germany is having to rethink itself because manufacturing is suffering greatly. There's a big competitive landscape in the automotive sector. Where China is is beating up Germany because it's so far ahead on electric cars, for example, and that's a big part of the German economy. So, and, and the economy in UK post Brexit is suffering greatly and trying to figure right. itself out. So, yeah, there are other parts of the world that that have landed a lot a lot harder, and some parts of the world that haven't really uh, blipped negatively in any meaningful way, like Australia, which is remains remains a strong and some say somewhat resilient economy. So on a macro level, the United States is doing pretty good. Europe is, is very choppy. Uh, places like Australia are, 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 are holding strong, uh, but the dust still has not settled. We have a long way to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so you mentioned commercial real estate also is one of the big sectors in which you guys are active. I'm curious. Um, you know, what are some of the things that you are seeing from your side of the world? Um, I think some of the obvious things, you know, that, you know, we, we know are impacting us are things like, you know, valuations and interest rates and that kind of thing. Um, the return to work continues to be one of these sort of challenging issues. Um, what from your end are you seeing that's impacting commercial real estate as, as your members are engaging with this industry? Yeah, post-pandemic, the world definitely changed. And municipalities look a lot different than they look pre-pandemic. And the professionals of the Turnaround Management Association are part of a very robust conversation right now about what we call municipal rebirth, where cities that suffered because of the pandemic uh, reduction of leased spaces, the three-day three-day and in-office work week, which is becoming more the norm than the five days that existed pre-pandemic, the loss of retail in major cities, including Chicago and San Francisco and even New York. Um, we need to rethink, and our professionals are working with municipalities as to how to rethink what cities are going to look like going forward, because we're not going to be yeah. back to work five days a week. And we've adopted technology at a much higher level that have allowed us to continue normal business rhythm, but not necessarily having to be in city centers 
uh, in the same way. And of course, that trickle down uh, represents challenges for retail and restaurants. And how are we going to repurpose uh, the commercial real estate footprint, and how are we going to how are we going to refinance and and pay the debt that's going to have to come to roost at some point for a lot of infrastructure building that we no longer need, even if it was thrust on us and and, and not something that was planned or predicted. Yeah. So, what are what are some of the biggest issues that uh, your your members are helping uh, folks deal with? So it's 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 downsizing of retail and commercial footprints for sure in the commercial real estate market. It's refinancing uh, major projects, or it's putting them through some kind of a restructuring, uh, and trying to renegotiate financing where the potential for foreclosures are happening because debt can't be serviced at the same level they were serviced, uh, and, and where there was large amounts of equity, that equity is is shrinking as private equity players get into the space and are trading up commercial real estate at valuations that are far less than would have been pre-pandemic. And so we have to adjust to this new environment and, and the professionals of, of TMA are involved with trying to create the strategies so that we come out of this, this uh, period with the least amount of damage to real estate owners to municipalities because uh, we try to save businesses and we try to yeah. rehabilitate yeah. them and we try to make we try to make them healthy we're not trying to to take them out of contention we're trying to rethink how to keep them in play yeah what are some of the big lessons learned um, specifically for I think municipalities one other piece of news that just recently came out there's a, a you know Santa, Santa Clara County for instance on the west coast has just announced that they're uh, you know they're not going to be able to you know collect as much tax as they uh, have been in the past. That's obviously a big issue, I imagine, for other municipalities as well. Um, but what are some kind of other lessons learned that you think, you know, whether it's anecdotal or you know specific kind of um, examples that uh, these places really need to contend with? Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough conversation of balance. If you're not getting taxes from one place, you're going to have to get it from another place. If you're not able to pay the debt on a building where you had leased 30,000 square feet and now that same tenant needs 15,000 square feet, how are you going to repurpose that space? And I do think in the long term, what we'll see is we will see that municipalities will come up with creative solutions as to, to how to function. And once we create those creative solutions, likewise, the tax bases will then get re-explored and we'll be able to generate the kind of income we need in our municipalities to be for those municipalities to, uh, to thrive again. But, you know, humanity is about ingenuity and ingenuity is about creativity. So not only are our professionals working with uh, owners of commercial property and municipalities to fix what's broke, but to, but to find creative ways in order to rethink what the future looks like, and that's not that's not going to happen overnight. This is a right. this is a multi year uh, expedition. You know, you take you take cities like New York, which right now has one of the highest uh, rental markets uh, for residential living, even though people aren't working in the city, and that's actually been saving New York City 
Chicago has had the benefit of it being a city of neighborhoods. So neighborhoods thrive during the pandemic. And even though our downtown is having to rethink itself, the downtown is a lot smaller segment of the overall city than uh, San Francisco, where you go out of the Bay Area and the Bay Area is suffering tremendously now because it needs to rethink itself both uh, commercially and from a and from a, um, uh, a a retail restaurant tourism perspective. And in fact, when we were talking earlier, I was mentioning that what saved San Francisco this past year was international tourism, which was at a record high for the city, and it brought a lot of people into the city, which helped the city shine. But still, there's a lot of rethinking that a lot of major cities in in the U.S. have to do, and each has a unique footprint of strengths and weaknesses and no two are really the same. Right, right. Are there any uh, areas, are there any cities, um, anything where you're seeing people are doing some interesting stuff, some creative sort of solutions that they're bringing to the forefront? Yeah, I was actually just reading an article here today about how a commercial project that was slated for uh, for office space is now gonna be it's now going to become a huge wellness spa because the thinking is you'll attract people into your city who want that kind of service because you're not going to get people who are going to take the same level of office space, particularly in a, in a competitive environment. So, again, that's just one small example of creativity. There's talks in cities about how, uh, how schools can have uh, the opportunity, instead of building new schools, to expand into what was prior commercial space. Um, there's there's more co-working space being being thought of. And then, of course, there's the whole conversation around mixed use of a little bit of commercial, a little bit of residential, a little bit of, of, of shared workspace. And so, you know, again, we're, we're thinking through these different options. But a building is not going to be the same kind of look and feel that it was uh, pre-pandemic because we have to rethink how we're going to use it. And the beauty of it is we can. And I think, again, we're going to come up with solutions as to how to be able to move forward better because we have a lot more optionality in terms of how we can use these uh, these spaces. And, you know, does it mean we can expand the charter school system in some major cities because we have more space to do it, maybe. Or if a university needs more space but doesn't have the space to build on its own property, can it create downtown campuses? Maybe. So there's there, there's there's as much opportunity as there is concern. Yeah. Have you noticed um, any of the, of the municipalities, whether it's uh, on the city level, county level, right, that are in danger of, you know, some kind of, you know, fiscal, um, you know, whether it's a bankruptcy or whether it's some kind of, you know, that that type of that type of calamity that could, uh, you know, sort of really impact, you know, the future of the city for the next decade or, or so. Right. No, not not at the moment. I think right now there's still there's still enough of a runway that you don't have some of the dire concerns that uh, cities had like Detroit when it went through, you know, it's uh, chapter nine, you know, restructuring. And in fact, it's been a really good success story and how it's built back better. So I think there's nothing on the front of municipal restructurings that is showing itself with urgency. There's more a focus on how we're going to take what we have at our disposal and be able to make it better so that cities can create monetization models 
that that keep it healthy. Yeah, and consequently, do you anticipate you know the bond markets affected uh, by by how cities are you know performing the revenues they're able to you know collect? Do you is that part of um, you know something that you might think is going to have an impact? Yeah, absolutely, and we're seeing it right now with 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 the eroticism in the bond markets, and, and I don't think you're going to see stability there for uh, uh, for some time. But you know, but certainly. Uh, certainly you're going to see a lot of ebbs and flows there as well. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. One of the things that uh, seems to be a you know popular topic that comes up often is, you know, people are saying, well, look, you've got all these empty offices. Why not convert them to housing? That's easier said than done. Um, as, 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 you know, we know, um, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a positive political story, but I'm not sure sort of on the, execution side whether whether it's you know going to be as easy to execute is that also something that your members are you know helping folks look at and sort of consider ways to um you know repurpose some of these properties into things that you know they haven't they haven't been you know designed to do in the first place absolutely and in fact municipalities themselves are thinking about that so yes my professionals who are involved with municipal support are absolutely involved with that here at the tma I can tell you, for example, here in Chicago, uh, as in most places uh, around the country, with interest rates being so high and housing not being as affordable as it was, and people not buying houses because also people who are sitting on very favorable interest rates are not selling uh, condos, houses, you know, et cetera, um, there's a push to create affordable housing in city centers as an alternative to what people can't get out of the city center so you know there's there's the beginning there's the beginning of, of the possible because i can tell you right here in chicago the biggest play in buying in, in the rental market is actually in the in in the city center uh because it's not affordable and there's not a lot of trade-up going on and sales going on outside of city centers so absolutely that that's that's becoming part of the conversation of what what could become a new normal yeah uh, Scott, I think you and I would not be cool if we don't bring up uh, artificial intelligence uh, and the impact that AI might have, uh, not just on the turnaround sort of, you know, as a profession, but also, you know, across the industry. Uh, tell us what's your perspective on on this and kind of how how you anticipate uh, artificial intelligence, you know, m- you know, making its way throughout throughout industry. Great question. Uh, AI is the genesis of the fourth industrial revolution in history and probably one of the most dramatic uh, things that we have seen in generations. Of course, that creates upset and it creates fear and it creates uncertainty. And you're seeing that front and center in the automotive sector right now where the UAW has struck because this is going to be at the heart of a a lot of what's going to affect that industry. Uh, however, however long term uh, the positive benefits of an industrial revolution are, the short term effects are harsh. And AI is showing itself to be exactly that, uh, as other industrial revolutions have shown themselves to be fear, uncertainty, and not knowing what the outcome of it will be or when is creating uh, a lot of upset. AI will ultimately be a great thing for society and for economies and creating efficiencies 
and we will find new ways to create jobs around around that. But in the short term and how quickly it's happening um, and how it's been thrust on society and our economies, it's going to have short-term pain. But the short-term pain will ultimately result in long-term positive gain for the world. Yeah. And how has it, on a more pedestrian level, uh, it impacted your you know, members, for instance? Have, have you heard any specific kind of examples that – uh, you know, members of you know your organization have either applied it or used it or plan to use it. Yeah. So, our our professionals are working with companies that either are in transition to using a more automated uh, footprint, or ultimately know they're going to have to head in that direction in order to remain viable and profitable. So we're educating our professionals at TMA in terms of what that means, what the, that might look like, and to how to get two companies that are healthy now in anticipation of what they might have to tool up for in order to be responsive uh, to the changes that uh, automation and digitization is going to mean on a, on a longer-term basis. So, yeah, I yeah. mean, look, part of, what we do, part of what we do is corporate health. Uh, you know, I don't want to sound like we're only helping sick people. We want to help people, we want to help uh, companies that are healthy, but to do so to spearhead inevitable issues that if not addressed now can become problematic. And while I don't call this uh, a problem in the short term, it's certainly going to be a painful transition. Um, the uh, next economic cycle, I would argue, has already has already began. And... Um, uh, you know, it sounds like from your experience, you've uh, gone through a couple of sort of, you know, phases like this. Um, I'm curious, sort of given some of the newness of whether it's AI, new technology, innovation, right? But also, you know, if you overlay that, um, you know, on the, you know, you know, other experience, general experience that, 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 that you know, you have either from, from your work or from your, from your you know, colleagues, um, what what are some lessons learned? What are some kind of you know big things that you feel um, you know as we're entering kind of this new phase of uh, of our economic um, progress that we should take into account? Yeah, so that is a great question because the period of economic uncertainty that we're entering feels a lot more normal to those of us who had lived counter cyclical cycles in the past, and what's been unnatural is this elongated period where there was so much money and interest rates were so low that we were living high on the hog for over a decade. Uh, that not being the case anymore and the restoration of normalcy while we're facing economic changes as a result of an industrial revolution and the push towards being responsive to zero carbon emissions and climate change are all convalescing at the same time. So the lessons learned from past counter-cyclicality is we're going to have to teach people who have never been through these kind of cycles that these cycles are normal. And also at the same time, for those of us who are more seasoned and have been through it, to know that there may be more extreme ups and downs because some of the pressure factors are different, even if they're different pressure factors that are going to lead us to, to a positive outcome. But lessons learned is that counter-cyclicality is healthy. It helps cleanse an economy. It helps stabilize the economy. It helps the economy check in on, it, on, on itself. And look, things like zombie companies, which is something you would have never heard of 
uh, a few years ago became a real thing. And why did they become a real thing? Because money was so easy to get, you can prop up a company that had no real value to it. And natural recessionary periods would have cleansed those out uh, a long time ago. Yet we're, yet we're dealing with them right now. So the lessons learned is that uh, normal counter-cyclicality in, in measured ways is good for an economy. It's healthy for an economy to be checking in on itself. And a restoration of that is going to be a learning that those of us who have been through can share with those of us who haven't, but that those of us who haven't should be should embrace it, not with terror and fear, but with an understanding that, the, that this is actually good, good for the world economy long term. Yeah. Uh, Scott, one of the reasons that we started um, this podcast is to, you know, leverage our relationships with folks like you who are leaders in the industry and help, you know, give you exposure to a younger demographic that's either entering the industry or kind of looking to, you know, uh, learn more about, you know, your organization or or just economy and, in, in, um, you know, general I'm curious, you know, with with that in mind, um, what would be, you know, some advice that you would, you know, either give your younger self or maybe somebody, you know, looking to kind of, you know, join the or the organization, you know, what would be the benefits of it, and you know, how how could they grow their own career through through your association? That is a great question. I appreciate that. Here at the Turnaround Management Association, one of the things I tell my younger members all the time is build your personal brand and professional network. Because if you build it and stay true to it, it will pay back to you for a professional lifetime. Have mentors, experience opportunity, volunteer in an organization like mine, and get the experience of volunteering with others who have a lot of experience, and build your profile. Because once you get the trust of others in this organization, and we're very, very fraternal as an organization, you will then get opportunities, and those opportunities will help you build your professional profile. So seize the moment, take chances, get involved, and don't be don't be afraid of failure. Failure is an option in 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 life and the world, and not every road is a straight road forward. You know, one of the things that uh, when I when I lectured to a junior economic club here in Chicago uh, a while back, I had asked a question to these these young people who were just entering college. How many of you know your exact career trajectory? And 80% of those people rose their hands. And I said, you want to know what? Now I'm going to tell you a story because I have the most untraditional path to a place of great success, largely because the people I've surrounded myself with, the choices I made along the way, and sometimes just being kicked off the track along the way. But if you, but if you are willing to open yourself up to opportunity, knowing that, you know, it may take you left or right, not necessarily up the middle lane, you will have a very rewarding life and career for that. Wonderful. Scott, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. This was great. Uh, best of luck to you in this next cycle. And I look forward to you know learning more about the uh, organization as you move along. Thanks, Vlad. It was really great to be here today. And I appreciate the time. That was another episode of the Real Perspectives podcast, and we thank you for taking the time to listen to it. Conversations like these help us comprehend our evolving industry better and hopefully provide a perspective that helps you understand the dynamics of commercial real estate. If you like this episode, please subscribe to our show and tell your colleagues about it. 
That is the best way to spread the news and help us remain relevant across the industry. Cheers. Cheers.